Hey, y'all, thank you so much for tuning into this message. We hope that it speaks to your life. And if you have questions, please contact us. You can contact us on the website at thousandhillsranchchurch.com or thousandhillsranchchurch at yahoo.com. And then you can also call us at 580-216-6427. And may God use this message to change your life. Well, I don't know about you, but I like Christmas. How many of you guys, again, Christmas is your favorite holiday? Anybody? Christmas, your favorite holiday? Yeah, I kind of like it. Um, the, the great thing about Christmas is you get gifts. Now, again, some of you guys are like, I don't like getting gifts. It makes me feel awkward. You don't have to worry about that with me. I love gifts. So just, I mean, my, my address is 53945 South County Road. So just send them. I mean, that'd be great. No, I'm just playing. Um, but my, I, I want to show you a couple of my favorite gifts I've been given in my life. All right, you ready for these? Anybody want to see them? Three of you. Awesome. Well, <laughs> show the first picture of me with my first ever shotgun. Can I get a witness? I think, I think my mom did my hair and she like, you know, feathered it. How cool was that back in the day? You know what I'm saying? This is, I still have this little uh, Breakover 14. It's probably a Walmart special, but it means more to me because my father gave it to me when I was that age. Um, and I still have it today. And I, I love that, that shotgun. It's a great shotgun. I got another gift when I was even smaller than that. And it was a little dog. Show the picture of the little dog. It's kind of flip-flopped right there. But that is an old English sheepdog. You remember Shaggy D.A., you know, the eyes covered with the, you know, shaggy hair? I had one of those dogs. They actually, it was at the pound, and my dad went into the pound and found this dog, and her name was Mindy, and she lived to a ripe old age and, and then, you know, passed away. How about that cool couch behind it, though? How many of you guys still got one of those in your house? Come on now. I mean, that's a cool couch. I mean, that's like... They're going to bring that back in style one of these days. Well, again, I, I love those Christmas gifts. And as many of you guys know, uh, last week I announced that our kids got a gift. And that gift was a little dog, a little basset hound named Lulu. Lulu. She is a cute little thing. She sits underneath my feet at my desk um, you know, while I study and all that stuff. So I've kind of adopted her. But the coolest thing about getting this dog wasn't the actual dog. It was my kids response to the dog. So watch this video. Alright, we're ready. Turn around. <gasps> we got a dog? Oh my gosh! <laughs> we got a dog! Is he a We got a dog. That was my daughter, yeah. Now, here's the thing. Again, you say, well, what's that all about? Well, my reward, my greatest gift is watching, again, my kids receiving a great gift. Now, here's the truth. Most of us, again, we would say, you know, that again, the response of our kids or whatever, that is the greatest part of, you know, giving gifts and all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. Christmas is obviously a time where, again, we give gifts, we receive gifts, we show people that we love them. Now, here's the thing. 2,000 years ago, we received the greatest gift that the earth has ever received. 
And that gift was not wrapped in a bow. It was not wrapped in fancy, you know, wrapping paper. It was wrapped in a manger amongst the hay in the midst of the, of the stable. And that gift was the very presence of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we come today to celebrate that. Can I get an amen on that? And again, so in Christmas Day, we receive the greatest present that we could ever receive. And many of you, again, if not all of you have heard the story of Christmas before. And again, I've heard it all my life. Maybe you've heard it all your life. Maybe your parents, you know, read that. Maybe you went to church, you know, again, all your life and you've heard it and and you've been there. You've done that. So, but here's the thing. I'm going to read the the Christmas story um, in just a minute. And then I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to, again, maybe think about Christmas in a different way. I'll read the story and you follow along as I read it. It says this in Matthew chapter 1. And again, this is not uh, out of Luke chapter 2. It's Matthew chapter 1. We're going to sing or we're going to read it from a broader account. Listen to what it says, though. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Can I just stop right there? I didn't do this last, last, uh, last time, last yeah, gathering, but I want to say this because God just laid it on my heart. I, I, wanna, I want you to get this, and some of you guys need to hear this. Again, Joseph was pledged to be married to a woman that was pregnant, and he had never been with her. Now, let me just say this. Um, some of you guys, again, you think there's, there's a hopeless situation. Maybe you've not, you know, done things right. Maybe you've not glorified God with your life. But here's the thing. Joseph didn't follow the culture. He followed God. I need you to hear that. Because sometimes I believe our culture speaks louder than God does in our lives. And we tend to want to follow the culture. See, the culture in Joseph's day said, don't marry her. She's pregnant. She's not good enough for you. She's, you know, an outcast now. She is disowned by us. We don't want anything to do with her because she was already pregnant. But Joseph said, hey, I'm not going to listen to the culture. I'm going to listen to God. Some of you guys need to hear that. And, and again, let's, let's, get, let's continue on. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her uh, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But listen to this. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill the Lord and what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife or as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. And in Matthew chapter uh, two, it goes on to say this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah or Judea, there, or during, the king, during the time of King Herod, magi or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? 
We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod or King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. He had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the story had appeared or the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And again, King Herod was a liar, just in case you didn't know the whole deal. King Herod was a liar. He wanted to kill Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah because he was the king of the natural world. Um, And so that's why King Herod says, come back and and tell me so that I can go worship him. He's lying. Uh, Verse 9 says this. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they... When they, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now again, Maybe not the usual Christmas story, but I believe that God can show us some amazing things from this passage. And listen to this. No matter how many times you've heard this story, I hope that you are wowed by it. Again, one of the, one of the sorry parts of going to church all your life, and again, there's not very many sorry parts to going to church all your life, so I don't mean that bad. But here's one of the sorriest parts about going to church all your life is we become numb to the miracles of God. And I can tell you from my own experience, when I think about preaching another message on Christmas or telling the same old story, I kind of get numb by it. It's like, okay, what can I do different? What can I say that's different? What can I do that will spark a fire in somebody's life? But here's the truth. No matter how I feel about this story, the story is still amazing. It's still amazing. And so here's the thing. I have a question for you today. Again, a lot of churches, they'll come together today. They'll read this Christmas story. They'll light a candle, and that's awesome. They'll worship, you know, songs and sing Christmas songs, but then they'll walk out of there only hearing the same Christmas story. So here's the question that I have for us today. It's this. What is our response to the story? Let me say that again. What is your response to the story? Well, here's the truth. I believe that we can learn three things from the Magi. Again, the wise men, the men that came and they gave their gifts and they followed the star. I believe that we can learn three things. Number one is this. Anybody taking notes today? Thank you. Can I get an amen on this side? At least someone. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you guys for taking notes. Here's the thing. I want to look at, again, the Magi's response. And I want us us to, to learn something from it. Number one is this. We should be overjoyed. (laughs) 
Listen, we should be overjoyed. Look at the response of the Magi or the wise men in verses 9 and 10. It says, after they had heard the king, uh, they, they went out on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were what? Overjoyed. Can I just go back to my kids? I mean, you, you just saw it. When they saw that puppy, what did they do? They almost peed on the floor. I mean, rather than the dog peeing, my kids almost wet themselves because they were excited. They're like, we got a dog, we got a dog, we got a dog. I mean, they were excited about that. And again, we can come together for Christmas and we can get excited about Christmas presents. We can get excited about a new dog or a new horse or a new truck, but we should be more excited because we've received the greatest gift of mankind and that is Jesus Christ. I mean, again, you say, well, okay, but why should I be overjoyed? Here's, I want to give you three things. Because here's the first one. Because he's with us. Because he's with us. I mean, verse 23 says that he is to be called Emmanuel. You know what that means? It means that God is with us. He's with us. I mean, again, you think about God. I mean, God could have said, I'm just going to ride the clouds for the rest of my life. I'm not going to hang out with any of those dirty humans that I created. I mean, we're going to leave them to themselves, and I'll just enjoy riding the clouds. That's what God could have said, but he didn't. He said, I'm going to send my very presence through my son, and he is with us. He's not some, you know, good old, you know, Santa Claus upstairs, you know, that, you know, that just throws gifts down. No, he gave us the gift of himself, his very presence is with us. The second thing that I think we should be overjoyed because of, because of we're not alone. I mean, again, some of you come in here today and you feel alone. Uh, Christmas for some of you is depressing. Let's just be honest. I mean, some of you guys, you don't have the family anymore. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you don't have the kids. Your kids don't like you. I mean, again, some of you guys come in here with heartache and pain. Can I just tell you an amazing truth? You're not alone. Jesus, if you will accept him, he will be with you. I mean, the Bible teaches us that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, and and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you because surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, people, we don't have to go through life alone. You know why? Because Jesus came to this earth and he wants to be with us. Here's the third thing why I believe that we ought to be overjoyed. The third thing is because we can know God personally. Uh, think about it. I mean, again, we, we uh, at the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth and then Adam and Eve, they, he created them. And then what did Adam and Eve do? What did they do in the garden? Oh, they ate the apple, right? They ate the apple and they sinned. You know what happens when sin entered into the world? 
We were separated from God. I mean, God's here. Our sin, because of Adam and Eve, has kept us from a relationship with God. So what did God say? God said, I will send you a Savior, and His name is Jesus. His name is Emmanuel, and He is going to come so that you can get rid of the sin and you can have fellowship with the God of the universe. Listen, friends, we ought to be overjoyed because of that. We ought to say, praise God because he came. And guess what? Jesus did not come just to be born. Again, you think, well, oh, Jesus, cute little baby. Gaga, goo, gaga. I mean, that's, and, and here's the truth. Many of us want to leave Jesus in the manger. Guess what? He, he, he grew up. He grew up. And guess what he did for you? He died. He was born to die on a cross so that you and I could have life. Not only did he die, he rose from the dead so that we could have life. And for me, that is something we should be excited about. Here's the truth though. And this is a sad truth. I believe that many Christians are underjoyed. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it, but I believe many Christians are underjoyed and I believe it's a sad fact. And, and again, we've tried to do our, our part in not being underjoyed. We, we have always said that at Thousand Hills Ranch Church, we are rewriting the, the definition of reverence. Again, a lot of churches, and God bless them, I mean, they're, they're reaching people too, and we praise God for that. But when you walk into this place, we want you to experience something that's exciting, something that's a joyful experience. Again, a lot of people, and even Christians, they don't have anything to be excited about. The crops are dying. The cattle prices are going down. I'm in the oil business, and the oil price is going down. Can I whine a little bit more? And they want to whine about all kinds of things. And again, do those things affect us? Absolutely. But here's the truth. If you know Jesus, you ought to have something to be thankful for. You ought not be underjoyed. And you say, my, my, the cancer's eating me up. Again, I hate cancer. I hate it. I hate disease. I hate pain. I hate all of those things. But here's what I found. Even in the midst of pain, I can find joy in knowing that I know the Savior. And this is the only hell that I will ever experience. And so we ought to be overjoyed. I mean, look at the Magi. I I mean, again, I can't even imagine. These Magi rode a stinking camel for like 800 miles. With a, with a hump up their butt. Come on now. I mean, I, I've been to Israel. I rode a camel, and it is not a fun experience. <laughs> I was on the Mount of Olives, and I, I actually got to ride a camel there, and they will spit in your eye if you get too close. So don't, don't, don't think that the Magi didn't have anything to be thankful for. I mean, they, they, they traveled all that distance. But when they found Jesus, they were overjoyed. And so again, people, listen, we ought to be overjoyed. We ought to find joy. We ought to be fun-loving. We ought to be ready to have a good time. Again, some of you guys, you feel awkward when you come into church and we're actually smiling. You need to get over it. Get past that. We ought to be ready to party when we come to to church, right? (laughs) Can we just get a little bit loud or something? (laughs) That's right. That's what I'm talking about. 
I mean, seriously, we ought to be overjoyed. Number two is this. Our response to Christ's coming, we ought to worship. Think about it. Look at the Magi again. Look at the wise men. Look what they did. In verse 11, it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they what? What does it say? They bowed down and worshipped him. Again, here's the Magi. They had traveled this distance. I mean, again, they were probably wore out. But their response was to worship the Savior. And guess what? Our response should be the same. We should want to worship him. And you say, okay, Bo, that was the Magi. I mean, they had reason. I mean, they actually got to see Jesus and got to experience Bethlehem and, you know, got to be there when he was born. So they had something to worship. Listen, you you say, what what do I have to worship about? And why should I worship? Again, some of you guys, listen, some of you guys are new to this church thing and we love that. Some of you guys have never been in church in your life and we love that. Can I just explain to you what worship really is? Worship, it's not about your outward expression necessarily. Some of you guys sing like crows. <laughs> it's not this, it's not this mockingbird. It's kind of the crow squawk. You know what I'm saying? I've heard you. It's all good. But here's the truth. Worship isn't about your outward posture. It's about your inward posture. Again, the most important part of worship is the posture of your heart. I can stand up here and I can praise God with my hands raised. And we encourage you to do that. Be set free from all the traditional crap that says you can't raise your hands. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, Get rid of all the, the, the traditional crap that says, you know, you can't sing loud. You can't clap. I mean, again, we've given up all that. Those are religious barriers that we don't give a flip about. But here's the thing. I can raise my hands. I can close my eyes. I can worship God. And and if that's where God leads me, that's where I'm going to go. But here's the truth. None of that really matters if my heart's not in the right spot. Does that make sense? And so listen, you need to, again, desire to worship God. And some of you guys might be thinking, well, that's weird. That's weird. When people raise their hands, it's kind of weird. It's like watching people make out. (laughs) You ever thought about it? Have you ever seen somebody, some, uh, have you ever seen like two young bucks that are just horny and they're at the mall and they start making out on the bench and you just, you, it's so hard to just not look. You know what I'm saying? Some of you guys, again, some of you guys are like, I'm not coming back to this church. <laughs> Maybe you've never been to the mall, but I have. You guys need to get out more. But it's like, it's like watching somebody make out. I mean, it's just kind of awkward. And again, when some people raise their hands and they're truly worshiping God, it's just kind of awkward. You don't want to watch that. But the truth is we ought not be ashamed to worship God. If he's changed your life, you ought to worship him. Here's the truth. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and when we realize that we have been saved from the pit of hell, we ought, we ought to want to worship When we realize that we have been given eternal life in heaven, we ought to want to worship. When we've experienced the forgiveness of our sins and we've been wiped out of our past and all the crap that goes with it, we ought to want to worship. When we've had our hearts healed by the the power of God, we ought to want to worship. When our, our marriages have been healed, we ought to want to worship. When our bodies have been healed, we ought to want to worship. When we find the security and the love and the peace that only God can offer, we ought to want to worship. Some of you guys are, again, you maybe prayed a prayer and you went through the motions, but you've not been changed. 
A part of that change is you ought to desire to worship God. And here's the other reason. And this is what I always turn to. Because people are watching us. Again, when we, when we started this church and still to this day, this is how we look at our church. We look at our church through the unchurched person's eyes. We don't look through the eyes of church people. And you say, well, why not? Well, because again, we believe that God has called us to reach unchurched people. And here's the truth. If unchurched people walk through our barn door and they see us just going, I worship the king. I'm not going to sing. Why would they want to worship God? Why would they want to come to our church? Why would they want to know Jesus? If we can't get excited and want to worship Him, again, if we don't have anything to be thankful for, why would they want to know Him? Why would they? So again, as you come here, you may have some baggage. I've got baggage. Everybody's got baggage. But set it aside and be overjoyed and worship God because He has done some great things for us. Listen to Psalms 96. Worship the Lord in his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Tremble before him. Here's number three. We, our response to Jesus's presence in the, in the world, we ought to be overjoyed. Number two, we should worship. And number three is this. We should give him our gifts. Let me say it again. Because Jesus came to the world, to, to be born, to die, and to rise from the dead, we ought to give him our gifts. Look at the verses again. In, Ma- in, in, in Matthew chapter 2 or whatever it is, verse 11, it says this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they what? Bowed down and worshipped. I'm going to say that again. They, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they what? They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now again, you say, well, what am I supposed to bring to God? If you have gold, that'd be great. I mean, just bring all your gold, we'll cash it in. Gold's worth something right now. If you have some frankincense, we can do something with that too. That was a joke. But here's the truth. We are all called to give our gifts to God. And you say, what does that look like? Well, it starts with your wallet. Can I just, can I just tickle somebody's funny bone today? Again, some of you guys, you go, well, Bo, you're, you're, I mean, again, you're all about the money. No, I'm not. <laughs> here's, the, here's the truth. I, and I said this last service. I don't need your money. God provides for me because I give to God, not because you give. He takes care of me because I give back to him, not because you give. So I don't worry about whether you're going to give or not because of my sake. I worry about it, and I don't, I don't really even worry about it, but I, I encourage you to give back to God the gifts that he's given you. The truth is you have the heartbeat that you have because he's given it to you. You say, oh, no, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I started my own business. No, listen, God gave you the eyes, the fingers, the, the feet. He gave you everything that you have as a gift to you so that you can make a living. So it's not yours, but here's the truth. You ought to give back a portion of what he's given to you. It's called a tithe. And again, the Bible talks about it. Given a tenth of your income. And here's what I've learned. When you give your gifts to God, guess what? He will take the 90% that you have left over and he will stretch it further than the 100% ever could go. 
Anybody witnessed that? Anybody seen that? I want to tell you, it's true. So again, you think, well, Bo, you just want my money. No, I don't want your money. I don't need your money. And God doesn't need your money. Again, it goes back to the worship part. The most important part of giving is the posture of your heart. If you give it and you say, God, take this, multiply it, use it in this church to reach unchurched people, then he will bless it and he will bless you. So again, bringing your gifts means that you bring some of your resources. Here's what else it means. It, brings, it means you bring your time. Some of you are not serving in a, in a team or anywhere in our church. Um, and you say you don't have time. I don't believe it. <laughs> I, I'll speak for myself. I, I can make the excuse all day long that I don't have time. But it is a matter of choice and it is a matter of who I want to put first in my life. It's just the truth. So you say, well, what's the gift that I can give? You can give your time. You say, how can I serve this church? You can serve on a team. You can serve by setting up and tearing down. I mean, for four years now, we've set up and tore down everything that you see, all the signs, all the guest bar, all the guest everything, all that has to get set up and tore down. You can give your time. Um, You can give your service. Again, you can give your sweat. Come sweat with us. And you say, how do I sweat for the church? Well, eventually... Lord willing, we are going to need some hands to dig some holes so that we can build a covered arena so that we can reach more unchurched people. We need you to come. We need you to sweat for us. And you say, I'm not, I mean, again, the church isn't built yet. Here's what you can do. You can go to work every day and you can sweat at work and then you can give your 10% so that we can build the covered arena. So sweat at work. (laughs) So again, give your sweat. You can give the gift of prayer. I mean, again, if we're going to do anything, it's not by my hands or your hands that's going to even make it happen. It's only by the grace of God and if only if we ask him to do it. So you can give the gift of prayer. The truth is generosity to God should be who we are. It should be who we are. And again, I don't know about you, but I've never, I've never had anybody save my life. Anybody ever had anybody like save your life like you were drowning or, you know, car wreck or whatever? Yeah few of you guys. Yeah. He saved your life. Yeah. I mean, again, that's awesome. I've never had anybody save my life, but here's the truth. If I had somebody that would have saved my life, guess what? I would be eternally indebted to them. And though I could never pay them back, guess what? I would do my best to show them that I love them, that I, that I'm thankful for them and that I will be there for them as much as I can. Here's the truth. Jesus has saved our lives. And here's the truth. We ought to be overjoyed by that. We ought to worship him because of that. And we ought to give him all that he deserves. You can't, yes. And, and, and I want you to understand this. You can never repay God for what he's done. You can't do it. You can't buy your way into heaven. But listen, if he has blessed you, you can bless him by again, worshiping him and giving your gifts back to him. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Here's the question. Even today, again, some of you guys have heard this story before. Hopefully you were challenged in a new way. But here's the question I have for you. Are you overjoyed by what Christ coming to the earth has done for you? I want you to think about that. Are you overjoyed by that? Or you're like, ah, whatever.
Listen, some of you may need to confess to the Lord today that you need to say to him, you know what, God, I, I have gotten numb. I've become dull to your goodness. I've become dull to the miraculous power that you bring to our world. And so, Lord, maybe, maybe again, your prayer needs to be, Lord, just set me on fire. Help me to be overjoyed by what you've done. Help me not to be numb to your word. Help me not to be numb to the preaching. Help me not to be numb to the songs, but help me to be on fire. Give me the joy that only you can give. And when all hell breaks loose, help me to have the same joy because you are there even in the bad times. You are there even in the good times. And so Lord, change my heart. Change my mind. Change my outward expression. And help me to be overjoyed. The second question is this. Do you show that joy by worshiping him? Again, when you come into this place, do you truly worship him? Or do you worry about what everybody else is going to think? Do you come in here and do you truly give him your heart and and your posture of your heart? Or do you just think about what else is going on around the world? Again, that is one way to show that you truly worship him. The other way is to obviously give your life to him day in and day out. To truly sacrifice your time, sacrifice you know your resources, sacrifice all those things to show him that you truly worship him. And so here's the next question. What gift are you holding back from Jesus? Are you holding back your resources? Are you holding back your time? Are you holding back your sweat? Are you holding back your prayer? Again, it doesn't really matter that we read this story. What matters is our response to this story. And so today, I hope that you've been challenged to respond correctly and find the power that you can find in Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the life-changing forgiveness of your sin through Jesus. You can do that today. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You say, but what does that mean? Here's here's what it simply means. If even in your chair right now, and not out loud, but just in your heart and in your mind, if you would just confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you just pray something like this. Lord, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. I know I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me of my sin. I know I don't have the power to say no to the temptations of this world. I know I don't have power to to do what's right. And so I'm asking you to change me. I confess you as my Lord and I believe that you rose from the dead. Come into my life. Listen, maybe you just prayed that prayer for the first time. Here's what we ask you to do. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to pull you in front of anybody. All we ask you to do is fill out the orange card on your chair and and fill it out. Mark on there, I accepted Christ today and I want more information about the church. Place it in one of these yellow buckets and we will contact you about your decision. It's that simple. We're not going to embarrass you. We don't give a rip about, you know, people knowing, you know, that are, that are membership. We don't give a rip about any of that. We just want to know that we are increasing the population of heaven. 
And so please fill that out. Maybe you say, I don't have a card. All you have to do is text your name to the number on the screen as you leave today. Just your name. You don't have to write, write any about, anything about your decision. Just text your name to the number on the screen and we'll contact you. We will provide you resources. We will be praying for you. We will love you and we will come alongside of you. And so we ask you to do that. Maybe you have another prayer request. Fill out the orange card. Place it in the yellow bucket and we will be praying for that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And we hope you have a Merry Christmas. Lord, we just come to you right now and we thank you, Lord that you came to us. You didn't say, you know, you come to me and I'll, you know, show you mercy. I'll show you grace. I'll love you. No, you came to us. The greatest present that you ever gave us was your very presence on this earth. And so we praise you for that. Lord, may that change our lives. If it hasn't already, if someone in here again is a numb Christian, they've been a Christian for 20 years, that there's no joy in their life, change them. Help us to be overjoyed, help us to worship and help us to give our gifts to you so that you can be glorified. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Christmas and I pray that your protection on everybody as they travel and I pray that we would just honor you in every place that we go because you are the reason for this season. It's in your holy name I pray, amen. Thank you guys for being here. Have a Merry Christmas. Again, we want to thank you for listening to this message. And if you have questions, please contact us. We would love to visit with you. Again, Thousand Hills Ranch Church at yahoo.com. Or you can contact us by phone, 580-216-6427. And may God bless the ride you're on.